Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a three times per week college basketball show brought to you in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Tuesday, February 6, 11, 24 p.m. My name is Josh Malamex. On today's pod, UNC falls at home and take a look at some Big 12 action early in the week. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me, and just as we all expected, Josh, the struggling, sliding Clemson Tigers. What better place to get right than the Dean Dome? 80-76 over number three, UNC, PJ Hall. The, uh, you know, lead the way, like the all-ACC type player that he is. Joe Girard has 21 points of his own, and um, the Tigers get enough to beat UNC at the Dean Dome, which, Josh, that is not something that Clemson has done very many times in their program history. First, I apologize for my awful voice. Second, you are correct. This was the second time. They're now 2-60 and 60 in the sure. building. Sure. And to me, that's really the story of this podcast today is it's going to be all the fun tidbits we have here. I have a lot of them for you. I uh, love it. Let's also throw this one out there. Clemson's wins in 2024 before this game. Home against Boston College at Florida State. Home against Louisville. <laughs> and yet, One of these is not the same. <laughs> right. They have hope. If they can put something together here. You knew they were capable of this. Mm-hmm. And their guards were better than UNC's. And P.J. Hall was really good and kind of negated Armando Baycott. And... I said last podcast, maybe RJ Davis doesn't have to score 25. Well, when he gets 22 points on 22 shots and the other guards don't really help very much, you got yourself a problem. And the other thing they've given, they had given up more than, sorry, before this current stretch, they had not given up more than 70 in ACC play. They've done three in a row. Two of them were losses. Obviously, the one in between is the win over Duke, which we said they were great offensively, not good defensively. Mm -hmm. That's what made this team so good is that they had figured out defensively. That's gone. And now you have trips to Virginia and Duke, the two teams, one game behind you in the loss column. It's not panic time yet, but this feels very different than it did on Saturday. I'm not sure it's fair to say that it's gone. I mean, it might just be fair to say that it's a really long season and sometimes you have lapses defensively. Sure. But sure. but they had, you know, you you're not the still the best defense in the ACC at Kempom and the number 8 defense in the country. Like I'm not sure like it might just be because it's UNC because this is this is not the first that I've heard somebody say the defense is gone. But I think partly because we didn't expect this UNC team to be good defensively, that maybe in a strange way, it's hard to believe that that's actually what their calling card is. Um, it's it's clearly not anywhere near as convincing when their defense isn't isn't really good. Um, on top of that, the last three games, Elliot Cadeau has been pretty pretty bad. Um, two of seven, one of nine, two of six in his last three games, five, seven, and five points. Uh, 
you know, the assist to turnover ratio isn't, isn't bad, but you know, some of that offensive struggle from Cadeau, you know, it's a lot easier to mask that when RJ Davis has 26 on 16 shots. And when he's got 22 on 22 shots and you add that Cormac Ryan is one of 10 from the field and zero of six from the three point line, um, then that's not enough. Even on a night that Armando Baycott has 24 and 13 and does it on North of 50% shooting. They also got back into this game too. You felt mm-hmm. like they were going to find a way to make this happen, which is the other disappointing part of this. My point is simply right now, they're not playing defense to the point where they look like a national championship caliber team. Now, right. It's three games. It happens. It's a long season. They could look like a national championship caliber team again the next time they take the court and look like it for the rest of the season. But the formula that makes them one of the favorites in terms of betting involves them being much better defensively than they've been in these last three games. That's just part of the reason why they are two and one, or sorry, one and two in these games. And now at least have some work to do to make sure that this race doesn't get interesting. Yeah, my point would be that nobody would be ghosting something that everyone was convinced they do well. Like if UConn. Mm-hmm was one and two over their last 10, nobody would have any sweeping declaration. So I'll hold on in terms of UNC's, whether or not UNC's defense has left and is not going to come back at any point. Um, still, it's a 80 to 76 loss at home to Clemson. And like you said, the ACC race is more interesting than it was 10 days ago. Last night in the Big 12, Josh, in Manhattan, the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, 75-70, the fighting Jerome Tangs in overtime over the Kansas Jayhawks, 26 points from one Tyler Perry. This is why you bring him here to have big games like this. And it felt like most of the time when I look at Kansas State box scores this year, it was Tyler Perry got to 19 points, but he did it on 20 shots, and really he was just – eight of 10 from the free throw line. And that's why he got there. Um, That was not the case on this particular night. He had 26, seven to 15 shooting 40% from the three point line. He's flanked by cam Carter and his 19 and 11 overall, just a pretty balanced effort from, from Kansas state's big, you know, three guys, Arthur Kaluma also had a, a solid game with 13 and eight. And despite a 21 and 12 performance for Hunter Dickinson, I think this was a, a pretty good microcosm of what this of what this Kansas State Kansas rivalry Big 12 matchup is right now which is it's really hard to win in each other's buildings because of the way that Jerome Tang has this program moving and uh, a big win for a Kansas State team that's only 500 in conference play. You know that Tang's teams are always going to have that guy whether that guy is as good as Marquise Noel was last year. The answer is no. Unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. Which also partially explains why, right. They're not a top 15 team in the country. They are a middle of the pack, big 12 team trying to make the NCAA tournament. Like most of that conference, mm-hmm. which is not a criticism, just a different world we're living in. Sure. But Tyler Perry was that dude, particularly in the second half and overtime, which has kind of been his thing is second halves. And he just made all the plays. Cam Carter got him going. Tyler Perry closed the door. Can mm-hmm. we call overtime tang time? He's like 11 and 0 in overtime. Yeah. Right? They literally yeah. don't lose. Yeah. They don't lose. We might as well call it tank I, time. I mean, we got to, I'm not sure. Like, like, I'm not sure what else we need 
to do to that, but Tang Time feels like it's missing something or it's got too much of something. I don't know. But I'm I'm not against uh, attaching Jerome Tang's name to overtime. And I'll just make it betting practice that if I ever see Kansas State headed to overtime, I'm betting Kansas State to win. Which probably means they'll lose their next five overtime games. Yeah, don't talk to me like that. Don't talk to me like that. Um, couple, couple other ahead. things. Dewan Harris scored 15 points. Mm-hmm. That usually means Kansas wins. Yeah. But Johnny Furphy had four. Everybody else had a total of six. That is including Johnny Furphy. Yeah. So you are still left with four scores. That has been the problem all season. Two total points from the bench. Yep. One one field goal make, three total field goals attempted. Zero free throws. Yeah. There you go. Are you ready for my stats here? My fun facts? My last thing on that bench before you okay, give me your fun it. facts yeah. is that is that Nick Nick Timberlake's lack of involvement on this basketball team is one of the more peculiar. Like if you had told me, if you gave me a list of roles that that touted transfers would have on the team to which they were transferring, and you told me that Nick Timberlake's role was going to be 3.4 points, 1.5 rebounds, 0.5 assists per game, shooting shooting 26% from the three-point line and playing six minutes in a game that the entire bench is basically non-existent, including him, that would be pretty high on the list of, of roles that I would be uh, surprised by. Um, it just hasn't been what really any of us thought it was going to be for him at Kansas. And it's a big reason why it's your point. Kansas struggles on most nights with where do we get production from a fifth player? Absolutely. Yeah. That was supposed to be the solution and it just isn't. Yeah. So during the Baylor, Texas tech game, which we're going to talk about next, they showed the stats or the ESPN metric ranking of the most difficult schedules left. Sure. Because Kansas continues to lose winnable road games, they have the most difficult remaining schedule in the country. Now, right next to them are a bunch of other Big 12 teams. Part of it is just, sure. it's this conference. Yeah. But they're number one on that list. At some point, they have to find ways to win games on the road. Yeah. And I keep saying that, and we keep coming back to the same problem where you keep looking at the ones that are most likely to win, and they keep losing them. So we'll see if they, I mean, you're never going to rule them out. Certainly, they could pull this thing together. Maybe it's just enough because everybody keeps losing too. But the longer this goes, the less convinced I am they have a chance of winning this conference. On the flip side of that, to further illustrate how good this conference is, I looked at Kansas State's schedule thinking, okay, what do they need to do to kind of turn this thing around to get on the right side of the bubble? And I went, well, relatively speaking, that's not a terrible schedule. They are projected to win one game. That is at home against Mm -hmm. West Virginia. (laughs) This conference is just cruel. Impossible. Yeah. (laughs) Impossible. Also in that conference tonight, number 13, Baylor, 79, number 23, Texas Tech, 73. Pretty contested, you know, pretty competitive ball game throughout, but Baylor does just enough to win. The backcourt played well, at least a a good portion of it did for for Scott Drew's team. Ray J. Dennis, 21 points, five of nine shooting, went to the free throw line a gajillion times. Um, 
Jaden Nunn also had 14 points. Eve Massey, 17 and 7 on 5 of 7, went to the stripe eight times. Uh, Baylor didn't shoot it well at all from the three point line in this game, but did enough to beat Texas Tech at home. You had three different things going on here. You had the first half where somehow Texas Tech, without any size and without a lot of players, were able to impose their will and dictate this game. And then Baylor kind of pulls it together, gets out of their offensive slump at the very end, get the lead right before halftime, come out in the second half, and lo and behold, when you give the ball to Yves Missy and there's nobody that is close to his size on the court, good things happen. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they couldn't hit threes. They finally stopped trying and just hammered Texas Tech inside as they should have from the very beginning. They were in control, and then we had whatever the last couple minutes of this game was where sometimes I just get so frustrated watching them play defense. They -hmm. just cannot keep people. I mean, you had basic miscommunication on switches. They can't keep people in front of them, and those Texas Tech guards know how to get to the bucket and know how to make plays. Texas Tech was never going to come back and win this game because Baylor handled them for 15 minutes to start the second half. Mm-hmm. But this should have been a 10-15 point win, not one that was still somewhat in the balance in the last 45 seconds or so. Ultimately, they get it done, though. And here's your last fun fact. Scott Drew's first win over a former assistant. There you go. First win? Now, Jeez. I believe he has only played three games. They were all against Jerome Tang. Mm, Jerome Tang, that's the story from tonight, is that Jerome Tang absolutely owns Scott Drew. That's that's the tagline. That's the title of the pod. Um, yeah, you know, a couple weeks ago I said, is Baylor this year's Miami team, like a team that no one really, like, I'm not totally sure anybody believes in, but maybe they just shoot it so well for two and a half weeks that they go to the Final Four. They might also just be the team that no one really believed in all year, really frustrated by their lack of balance in terms of how they play on each end of the floor. And then they're a four seed that loses to a 13. <laughs> they could also be that team. It could go. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see which we'll see if, you know, granted they'll probably be neither of those teams and just lose in the round of 32. Like, like lots of decent basketball teams do, but um, you could tell me both and I wouldn't be all that surprised. No. And for all their flaws, they are the hottest team in this conference right now. They are winning games back to back. Nobody else is doing that. There you go. Man, Kansas is six and four in the conference. Six and four. Yep. There you go. And not out of the race either, which is oh no, not at all. Equal, which is equally as intriguing. Yep. Crazy conference. Anything else, Josh? A couple other Big Twelve things I wanted to run through. Big bounce back win for Iowa State after the bizarre loss in Waco Mm -hmm. to not let that spiral. That's the thing that teams that are serious about competing for a big 12 title do. We talk about that all the time with Kansas. Mm -hmm. They don't let it snowball. They don't lose back-to-back games. That was a big win. BYU, uh, not great with what's going on in Oklahoma to drop that one. End of the world, no, but not great for seeding purposes, for getting yourself in a good position to maybe make a run in the conference tournament. And then finally, did you see what Kelvin Sampson did? Yes, I did. The uh, The explanation I saw that Seth Greenberg offered was that he wanted to get his son an opportunity to coach. 
Mm-hmm. Which I mean, maybe that has that's, just, that's in the, that falls in the same category as Jawan Howard saying that he wants the guy that's from Detroit to coach the game in Detroit or wherever it was. Philly, what, yeah, Philly, yeah. yeah. That's like that's like one of those like I can't really like clap back at you publicly, but I don't believe you. (laughs) And I mean, I I haven't paid attention to see. Maybe he had some explanation. If you're going to if you want to do that. Fine. Please don't do that at the expense of a referee. That's my issue with it. Mm -hmm. He just exploded for absolutely no reason. At least Juwan Howard decided before the game, this is how we're going to do things, whether you agree with it or not. Sure. Now, I don't know all the rules about how you could actually do that during the game, because obviously he wasn't just going to not coach at the beginning. But that's not helping get a better relationship between coaches and refs. Like, why does it need to be official in any way? Just say, okay, you got the reins. I'm going to sit here and watch the rest of the game. Right. I I don't know if there's something about if the head coach is there, nobody else can leave. I don't know. That can't be right. Assistant coaches lead timeouts all the time. Also true. There's got right. There was a way to take away some of the responsibilities and pass them to the younger Simpson. That just doesn't help an issue that exists in college basketball. Yeah. That's all I have on that. Tuesday, February 6th. It's 1141 PM. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back on Thursday. I don't know what's happening in the college basketball world between now and then. I'll find out in the next 48 hours, though, and we'll report back here to talk about it. Until then, be sure to subscribe to the podcast where you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you on Thursday. 